0: Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902 902- Four nine nine five seven one seven. 5717 Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner Strikes Again. What's going on everybody? Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 59 of Outside the Shoot, I'm your host, Randy Frame. I'm going to start off by giving a huge shout out to our Canadian women's national team on bringing home the country's first ever medal in softball, after a 3-2 win over Mexico in the bronze medal game. They played absolutely fantastic, you know, losing 1-0 games to both gold medal winning Japan and silver medalist USA just goes to show you how close they were. Also need to give a massive shout out to uh, five of our past guests who are hanging it up with their time on, the, on Team Canada. Uh, Lauren Regula, Victoria Hayward, Daniel Laurie, Jen Saling, and of course Nova Scotia native head coach Mark Smith. Congrats to all of you on amazing careers. The foundation you've laid for our future in the game here in the country is unparalleled. So on behalf of Outside the Shoot, I'd like to say thank you. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from Kansas City, Missouri, as Bailey Brumley takes home the honors. Bailey had an incredible week at the USA Nationals in South Dakota as she hit 536 in nine games with two doubles, eight home runs, and 20 RBIs, while also getting three wins on the mound with 16 strikeouts and a 2.10 ERA, as her and the KC Zephyrs went 6-3 for a seventh-place finish. Great job, Bailey. Best of luck going forward. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with co-editor at D1Softball.com and UCLA Golden Bears alum, Tara Henry. Tara had a fantastic college career with UCLA, as she would compete at three Women's College World Series between 2004 and 2006, winning the prestigious championship in her freshman season. Since then, she has co-founded an organization called Run the Bases, where they focus on inclusion and gender equality through softball, as well as she is the co-editor with D1Softball.com. We're gonna talk to Tara about getting her start in the game down in California, her recruiting process to UCLA, the 2004 Women's College World Series win, and of course, everything else Tara has on the go today. It was such a blast to be able to chat with Tara. She is someone who is an absolute passion for the game, and it was great to hear her share her journey in the game with us. This was definitely one of the favorite chats I've personally had the pleasure of doing. With that being said, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the
1: world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, and song. I can't describe
0: what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm. My action is on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say to anything? Here we go. Hera, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. How are things going down in Cali?
1: You know, I can't complain. The weather's beautiful and just enjoying a little bit of the off season, but super happy that we've got softball happening, you know, all over the world right now at the moment.
0: Absolutely. Now, I got to say, I got home from ball last night uh, playing myself and I chucked on Instagram. Mm -hmm and I saw you and friend of our show here, Sam Fisher, had a little chat yesterday about the Olympics. Now, <laughs> we did. <laughs> first off, how fun is Sam to chat with?
1: Oh my goodness. You know, Sam is probably one of the most fun interviews we've actually had on D1 softball, and she's just great for the game. Her story is incredible, and she's just a joy to speak with, and we had such a fun conversation, and you know, we talked about the fact that she's played with almost every single player mm. on both sides, on Team Mexico and Team USA. And so it was just really fun to kind of pick her brain and talk to her about what she thought was going to happen uh, in the game uh, yesterday evening.
0: Absolutely. I, I always say, I said, uh, you know, that question, if, if you had three people in the world to sit down and have... Drinks and dinner with Sam is on my list. I can tell you that much. <laughs>
1: oh, gosh, I love it. Does she know that? We've got to tell her. <laughs> oh, I, I ta-
0: actually, when I saw that you talked, I sent her a message last night. I said, "Oh, I'm talking to Tara tomorrow." She's like, "Oh, that's great. She's so fantastic." <laughs> so I figured, I figured, why not? We can start off talking about the Olympics off to get go. Uh, you know, sure. A- after all, all teams have played three games uh, as of this recording. Uh, what's Tara's take on what's happened so far?
1: You know, I'm just so surprised we aren't seeing a ton of offense. You know, I think pitching has dominated most of the games and they've all been very close. You know, mm. historically, in terms of international ball, there's a huge gap in between, you know, some teams. And, you know, we've got U.S., Japan and Canada all in the lead, but Mexico put up a fight against both Japan and the U S you know, it was just kind of one pitch, Mm -hmm. um, for the U S to score those two runs on Ali Aguilar single. And, I'm just the next couple of days they're going to shake out and see who's going to be in this gold medal medal round. And, you know, there's potentially, there's potential that there could be a tie between all three.
0: Mm, yep. A
1: couple of things have to happen. Um, but, you know, it's just been a joy to watch and just happy that softball's back in the Olympics and hopefully people around the world are enjoying it and, and want to get more involved in terms of, you know, having other nations just competing. And it's just a joy that softball is back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This has to be by far the, like the closest olympic games so far as far you know as far as competition goes um i wanted to ask like there's so many storylines going on in this right now like u.s hasn't given up a run their pitching staff Mm -hmm. with monica and kat has just been dominating uh sarah groenwagon with canada uh Mm -hmm. she's making a name for herself you know (laughs) she's (laughs) when she's not on the mound she's she's getting clutch hits but uh Actually, that's one thing I wanted to ask. Are you, are you surprised that Sarah's not in hitting for team Canada? Yes,
1: I am. <laughs> we, you know, we've got a little group, Fred Monk's, um, our D1 softball fantasy group. And that was kind of one of the things that we discussed at length that we were surprised that Sarah wasn't hitting. And then, uh, she was put in as a pinch hitter and she got that big, um, double, um, yeah. against the U S and, you know, she's doing her job in the circle and they're I think, you know, Mark Smith has done an incredible job getting Canada ready for the games. They trained together in Florida. Daniel Laurie looks great. And, um, you know, and it's just been fun to watch their growth and yes I'm surprised she's not hitting but you know she's also she's got a pitch as well so mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm interested in that and then and ortez for Mexico she's done a fantastic job at the plate mm-hmm. and at short so she's she stood out as well and uh, I was really re- a pre- impressed with Godot, the relief pitcher for Japan and I'd watched her in the Junior championships and when they put her in relief for Bueno the other evening against Mexico, I was not surprised that she did so well. She's a stud and one to to keep an
0: eye on as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk about Italy for a second. They're uh, mm-hmm. y- y- they're doing way better than you know. I think a lot of people thought they would. I mean, they're they're staying in every game they're in.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I actually have watched Italy at length in the Europeans, and you know they've added a few. Um, Italian Americans to the team as well. But you know, Amanda Fama, she provides great leadership. You got Carasoni and of course uh, Erica Piancastelli and she's just um been great to watch, not only, you know, in athletes unlimited, but she's a great leader. So, you know, they're holding their own and um, are two hurlers as mm-hmm. and Lacatina, uh, the young one that's going to Kentucky. Uh they they've done a, an incredible job in the circle. Um, you know, I didn't get to actually watch the um their game um last night. I'm gonna go watch the replay, but um they've been I I've been really impressed with Italy and and like we said, it's just been there's been some close games all the way around. There's not been too many blowouts.
0: Yeah. How huge is that Canada Japan matchup later on tonight?
1: Oh, it's massive. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <mean, laughs> and you know, if Canada beats Japan, and then if Japan beats U.S., that that's a three way tie, and it- then it goes to um, the runs allowed. And right now, I believe they're all tied for runs allowed at one.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's so close, like. <laughs> Like, like, you know what, the way things have been going, you know, the last two years, pandemic and everything, I would not be surprised if there's a three-way tie just to mess with everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, stranger things have happened, but you're right. That game against Japan and Canada is going to be big tonight. And, you know, Japan had a tough outing against Mexico. And I think that shows that, you know, they are, they're beatable mm-hmm. and Mexico had them on the ropes and, I believe Canada has put together an incredible pitching staff. You know, Lonnie Almeida is there with them. So, you know, she's, you know, helping out with that staff. And mm-hmm. um, they've got four four that can go at any time. So that'll be pivotal tonight to for for the standings.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if uh, Smitty still goes by pitch by committee tonight with, uh, you know, going with everybody like he has. Uh,
1: I would say that. It's going to happen again. It's worked thus far. Yeah. I don't see why not. And maybe just the plan is to go once through the lineup and give everybody a shot and and making sure that they don't get too many looks. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do pitching by committee again. I think it's worked for them. And, you know, it's been something that has been successful and I'm just excited to see how that whole thing pans out. Every single game that's on, I'm excited to watch. And Mm -hmm. it hasn't always been that way. I think it's just because they've all been so close.
0: Yeah. I got a, okay. Big question for you. Now this is Mm -hmm. no, when this is released, it's going to be next Monday. So the games will be over. I'm going to, I'm going to, Oh my goodness. I'm going to throw throw the big question at you. (laughs) Who's in the finals. Who's taking gold. Oh my goodness. (laughs)
1: you know i think it's going to be us and japan okay. uh, i think canada will give both a run for their money but at the end of the day i don't think it's going to be us and japan and but the way that the us is is pitching and they're figuring out how to score runs mm. we talked about this with sam they're not hitting the long ball but they're getting it done and they're they're just kind of scratching and clawing and figuring out a way to yeah. win these ball games. I, I'm going to go with the U.S. I S I wouldn't have said that coming into the tournament. I would have said Japan hands down, but mm-hmm. I think they're starting to hit their stride and they've got some momentum and they're starting to play really well and they're, and they're starting to play as a team.
0: Yeah. Well, if it is U S and Japan, I think uh cat and Monica will have a, are looking for a little bit redemption from 2008. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I think that's one of another key factors as well. I think uh they're still a little bit hungry from from that big loss.
0: Yep. All right. Little thing that we like to start the podcast off with, even though you know we're ten minutes in, but uh, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> little, like start it off. We've been chat for a
0: while. <laughs> little thing we, we call quick pitches. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw yeah. ten random questions to you and oh. and you answer them as best you can. I all right, I'm ready. All right, here we go. First one. What's the one thing you missed the most from UCLA? Oh my goodness. Um,
1: You know, it's a funny thing, but I used to have, oatmeal every morning after weights at this place called the coop and it was my favorite thing at ucla it's kind of random and weird but uh it's no longer there they took the restaurant out but oh. i loved having my oatmeal after uh, weights are running every morning it just was my routine and um i loved it
0: <laughs> right on
1: who doesn't love oatmeal <laughs> i know right <laughs> uh
0: who's your early pick to win the women's college world series next season
1: Oh, my gosh. Are you serious with this right now? <laughs> Throwing them out there. <laughs> um, Gosh, you know, Tennessee has picked up a ton of transfers in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm just, like, shocked at what's happening. Um, You know, obviously, OU is, uh, you know, they've got Hope mm-hmm. uh, Trotwine from North Texas. I think they're going to obviously be contending again. And, um You know, you can't never leave Florida State out of it or UCLA. So, uh, you know, I really like what's happening with Tennessee and um, what they're doing. But I'm going to have to go with OU and the fact that they just have completely, you know, Mm. they're 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 just dominated last season. And um, they they
0: still get those fab freshmen. Like coming yeah, back, the front, so I, mean.
1: I know. It's, it's just, you know, I, I hate to just go with it, but I, I would say right now, if you're asking me, um, OU, it, it would be the front runner.
0: All right. Uh, where's one place you haven't traveled to yet that you'd love to go? Oh, that's a great question. Um,
1: I would say, well, I've been to South Africa, but I really would like to go to Cape Town. I've okay. never been to Cape Town. So that's one of the places on, on the list.
0: Right on. Uh what's your go to wine of choice?
1: Oh my goodness. Wine of choice. I, I drink more white these days. Uh Frank Family Reserve Chardonnay used to be a fave. Mm-hmm. But now um it's oyster based Avignon Blanc because it's just it it's um engine and it does the
0: job it's really delicious okay see i I like a good riesling i love a good riesling (laughs) uh oh really yeah all right if you could go back and replay one game in your career which one is it
1: oh gosh probably uh the national championship game against michigan when i popped up two bunts off of jenny Ritter Ah. as the number two hitter um Gosh, that was difficult. Um and would love to go back and replay that um more in terms of mindset I think, but you know, when you face adversity and you face challenges in your career and and you fail and I think that's when we obviously learn the most and from that point on, I believe my work ethic, my mental um toughness and and Emotional you know working on the emotional mental part of the game grew exponentially, and my next two years I really focused on that, so I would love to replay that game just because I think um, as you grow and get older it's not as big as you once thought it was, but right. um yeah, that would be the one I would replay for sure
0: all right what's the fastest you've gone on a motorcycle?
1: Oh my goodness a <laughs> um, hundred and thirty holy cow. <laughs>
0: that's crazy <laughs> that's gonna be a rush though yeah 120
1: 130 i might have been in kilometers but somewhere around there Oh yeah. my
0: jumpings like what's going through the They're mind restrained. when you're going that fast
1: uh hope we don't fall off
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i can definitely see it oh my job.
1: no uh, riding is great it's just um it's just a way to kind of be in your own space and place and, um, clear the mind. And I really enjoyed picking that up, um, after, uh, softball. And now, um, I would say now my motorcycle rushes has turned into sailing. So I started sailing. So I'm doing some, some regattas and sailing here, um, in California, which, um, I'm actually enjoying a little bit more because you're part of a team and I've missed that. I miss being a part of a team and, and working together for a common goal. So yes, motorcycles. But um, I would say now I'm, I'm on to sailing in terms of my hobbies. Right on.
0: Uh, if you have to live off one meal for a week, what is it? Popcorn. <laughs> oh. fresh pop popcorn popcorn okay That's it. yeah <laughs>
1: <That's>, uh, easy <laughs> yeah yeah very true
0: yeah in the microwave or uh, i don't know how do it on the is it, it, nutritious <laughs> it
1: is but i love popcorn i brought yeah. like fresh pop popcorn while i'm watching games i yeah. just put it on this like on the stove uh and it's probably it's one of my that and and probably bone broth chicken bone broth super boring but um okay. two easy things
0: You can't go wrong with popcorn, though. No. No. Mm -mm. Best thing about living in California? The weather. Yeah, I figured. (laughs) I mean, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, Two more. Does pineapple belong on pizza?
1: Oh, well, I did live in Italy for a couple of months in the north, and my Italian family would be very against me saying that it does um (laughs) now do I mind pineapple on my pizza I'll eat it but I don't think it really belongs on there Uh, I I think um more of a traditionalist and um favorite pizza pizza would have been in Napoli they have the best pizza in the south in my opinion and uh no I don't think that pineapple belongs on pizza
0: perfect I don't either (laughs) (laughs) last one how amazing was this year's women's college world series?
1: It was uh, honestly, it was the best women's college world series I've ever been to. And I've, I've been to a
0: lot.
1: I played in a few. I've been a fan for a ton and then this was the first year I got to cover the women's college world series and it was incredible you know and ESPN has done a great job in terms of allowing viewers to be a part of the game and be a part of stories and just the access that they have to all this information and the fact that we get to watch these games all season long you know the SEC network the ACC network allows us to feel more involved and it was just I mean between JMU and Odyssey Alexander and you know, OU coming back and Montana Fouts' perfect game against UCLA. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Mackenzie Donahue's performance or breakout performance, it just goes on and on. And it was incredible. And we we figured that we were going to have – an incredible world series because of the time off and the fact that players and coaches had stepped back and really started to appreciate the game more. And I believe that's what we saw in people were just happy to be back on the field and it showed through the play and I I had the best time and, and really love going to Oklahoma city. It's just, it feels like home going over there.
0: Yeah. It was unbelievable to watch. I mean, the whole JMU, ride was you know i think that added quite a bit to it and odyssey alexander like she was just a monster and then like you said throw in montana votes perfect game and and wasn't the max it was the maximum amount of games were played was it not
1: i believe so oh you're you're asking me a question i'm like trying to think back yeah because it was you had to they both had to win twice. twice
0: that's right so yeah, so I mean, so
1: we got the, a full slate. Full slate. We got a full slate,
0: and then, it was it was amazing. Yeah, and then yeah. throwing the fact that the, you know they added the upper deck. I saw the, the video of you going into, going getting yeah. there, and and I mean, how much like, from your perspective, what did that add to the to the facility? Because I mean, I, the atmosphere there already is second to none, but adding that upper tier just had to like put it crazy above. <laughs>
1: You know, it just made it feel bigger. It just made, it felt like you were playing or watching or or sitting in a major league stadium. I mean, obviously much smaller, but it just, that upper deck just makes a statement. And, you know, when the whole stadium is packed, it's just the energy and the enthusiasm and it, you can see how much our game has grown and you've got Mm. the bleachers packed in the back and it's a huge step in the right direction. I mean, now do are there still other things that need to happen? Of course. But the addition of that upper deck, other than it blocking the wind a bit, because uh, it it does block the wind on the field, which uh, is better obviously as an outfielder. I would have loved that. (laughs) Um, It just, it did the whole thing felt bigger. And it was just amazing to be there for that first uh, game and and see the stands packed. It was super hard to actually get in to the games. I mean, it it was packed around the stadium. You had to leave early, especially if OU was playing, you know, at one point. We had to leave an hour and a half early just to make sure that we could get into the the game in time, and that shows you how much our sport has grown uh, in itself.
0: Well, yeah, even the like the numbers that came out for the like the TV numbers were phenomenal,
1: and you couldn't ask for anything better. I think it was two point one million yeah. viewers, and the average over each game, and we had the three o'clock championship game. And imagine if that was during prime time, what the numbers would have been.
0: Oh, I know, I know. Uh, but I think, I think having that uh, that OU Washington matchup at Super's leading into it, I think may have helped a lot for it. You know what I mean?
1: I I, I think so as well. Obviously, I have other thoughts on them washington being a 16 seed oh, but yes. we, we, don't wanna, we don't want to we don't want to beat a dead horse <laughs> yeah. i mean i know that I, I have other thoughts on that but yes that was a great super regional and i think it just set us up to have an incredible uh women's college world series just a shame that they were paired up with ou in mm-hmm. that one to 16 seed.
0: yep for sure all right so we're we're 20 minutes in Let's get on to your career now. (laughs) So, Tara, tell us about getting your start in the game. You know, when you were younger. You
1: know, I started playing softball when I think I was four or five at Tustin um, Bobby Sox, just the local kind of local league. And my mom was my coach. And just I played a ton of sports when I was a kid. I played softball, soccer, basketball, tennis, golf, and Played and I actually was a dancer as well. Uh Um, My mom thought it was really important that I danced till I was about 11 or 12 and just for balance and coordination. And so I, you know, I was playing a ton of sports and finally my mother said to me, Tara, you know. I can't be driving you around to all these different games and practices because I was going to basketball practice and then I'd have a soccer game and then I'd have a softball game. And <laughs> she finally just said, I need you to choose. And I said, you know, my best friend plays softball. I like softball. I'll just use softball. So I chose softball. <laughs> and that's kind of how it went. And then played on various kind of club teams here in, in SoCal and for the Batbusters, Orange County Batbusters, the Athletics and uh California Squeeze at one point, and then landed on the OC Batbusters with Gary Henning, who used to coach the Batbusters back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as a sophomore, so I played on 18 gold, uh, starting as a sophomore and then was recruited and, and fortunate enough to um, head to UCLA and play for the Bruins and um, it was just, you know, it was a lot of hard work, but also I enjoyed the game so much and mm-hmm. loved travel ball, loved club ball, I loved my club team. Um, we still stand in touch to this day and Oh, nice. and I'm just really fortunate to be a part of a team sport and and learn how to be a part of a team and be with, um, you know, all kinds of different people from all different kinds of places and walks of life.
0: Absolutely. Now, was there a certain age that you can remember where you were like, uh, I think I can do something with this game?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think probably... Probably 14, I would say, 14. I was playing for Doug Myers. And uh, I remember my mom and dad speaking about, you know, oh my gosh, you're you're taking care of all these softball games, you're doing all this. And I remember my mom saying, Frank to my dad. You have no idea. (laughs) And my mom, I think my mom's belief in me and she always instilled this sense of positive, um, attitude and to, you know, manage your failures and learn from them and any mistakes. And, um, just have to really actually thank my mother because she was always there. She's, she kept score in every single game I've ever played. So she's got scorebooks still, still to this day in my parents' garage. She's scored every single game and she still has those scorebooks.
0: That's amazing. And
1: yeah, she's an incredible scorer and she still scores the Dodger games. Is that right? um, Yeah, she does. Wow.
0: Um, She must have been happy with this past season.
1: Yeah, she was. (laughs) She's a huge Dodger fan. And, you know, baseball's always been a part of our family. My grandfather played in the Mexican leagues for the uh, Mexicali Aguilas. Oh wow. And was a catcher there. And I never got to meet him. He passed away before I was born. But mm. um he he was always a baseball player. And um, so my mom and my aunt always were Dodgers fans and um I think at such a young age, I just always had baseball on TV. Brett Butler was my favorite player for the Dodgers, all right, yeah. And I used to just sit and watch Dodger games as a kid and and listen to Vin Scully. So I think softball baseball's always kind of been um in my heart and soul.
0: What a legend, Vin Scully.
1: yeah, I know.
0: Wow. I miss him now you said your mom and your aunt were were Dodgers fans and yourself. What was your dad?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because my dad and my brothers were kind of Angels fans. Well, my one brother is a huge Cubs fan, and it's because we had WGN at the house. So he watched WGN and watched the Cubs. So he's a massive Cubs fan. And so I would say the two of them now are more Cubs fans as well with my other brother. okay. So there's a definite divide in the house. (laughs) We've got my mom and I are Dodgers fans. And then the boys, my two brothers and my father, they're they're more Cubs
0: fans. Wow. Wow. That is definitely a divide right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the women obviously know better, but oh. <laughs> it, it is what it is.
0: <laughs> obviously, they do. I mean, Dodgers just won the World Series. So yeah. you, guys, you guys know your teams. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, you had some pretty good success in high school and travel ball, including like Two national ASA titles with the Batbusters. Uh, yes. Was there much difference with the recruiting process back then compared to how it is today?
1: Yes. I think it's going back to how it maybe, I hope it's going back to how it used to be because in terms of your recruiting process, obviously as a junior, you would. You know, start speaking to colleges, and then as a senior, you would take your official visits, and you're allowed five official visits. And I only took three. I took a official visit to UCLA, Florida State, and uh, North Carolina um, at the time, mm-hmm. and it just allowed you to not only experience the team and the coaches, but to see the campus and you know, get to know where you're going to live, the city, the town. And, you know, that went away for a long time. Kids were committing at such a young age. They weren't fully developed. And, you know, I changed from when I was 13, 14 to Eighteen.
0: Well, yeah, everybody a, a, does a
1: huge amount, and and that was always my issue with this early recruiting. And I hope that now it will go back to what it used to be because it also it was good for the team to meet the recruit and for the recruit to meet the team and get to know one another and see if it's going to be a good fit. Because at the end of the day, you know it it's gonna you're going to be there for four years. Well, yeah. you hope because the transfer portal wasn't really something that you dealt with back then, and now it's just out of control. And, you know, we're also going to have to look at this NIL, name, image, and likeness. It's going to be a huge recruiting tool and, you know, players are going to start making money off their name, image, and likeness. So Mm -hmm. that's going to throw another wrinkle into all of this. And I think that's going to be something that we all need to watch and see how it plays out because it's going to have a huge impact on recruiting and really on the game.
0: Yeah. Now, funny you brought that up because I talked to Riker Chasen there a few days ago, which he's coming mm-hmm. out he's coming out this Monday. And uh I talked about the the whole nil nil, you know, thing that's going on. And I said Aliyah Andrews is one person that I think is definitely gonna benefit from this.
1: I think a lot of players are gonna benefit from this. I think she's one of them.
0: Yeah. And
1: anybody with a massive social media following, they're gonna benefit just because they've got the brand already and companies are going to want exposure for Uh um their products or their services and you know it's interesting because if you compare baseball to softball you've got this i would argue the softball players have more reach and uh, will be a more attractive brand and market for companies than um women or men's college baseball 100 percent. there's just you know there's just it, it's just facts and yep. uh lee andrews i think lauren burke uh, yep. as well and obviously montana fouts uh, Haley cruz is obviously no longer with the oregon ducks but she, you know she was one one yep. that kind of started it all and it's a shame because she's done a heck of a job with her social media accounts and and um Growing her following, but I think it's something we need to all keep an eye on and how it impacts teams and, and their play.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what led to the decision to attend UCLA?
1: Well, that's easy. My mother, father, both my brothers went to UCLA. Oh. So, no brainer. It was... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, growing up, you're saying, oh my gosh, this is one of the best programs in the country. This is a lot of pressure. I, I mean, you know. This is they have the most national championships. It was Sue Inquest, legend, and you know, the whole family went. We still to this day tailgate at football games and it's just always been a part of the family. I think my my mom mom and dad both bleed blue and gold and I would argue my brothers and myself do too. And just always been a part of the family. It was close to home and always wanted to compete in the College World Series and they on every year and it was just uh, a goal and you know was a small player it was pretty little um in terms of uh other players around the world and I think I always was just wanted to play and be with the best and didn't matter that I wasn't going to start or um I always just wanted to earn my spot and 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 make sure that I played with the best and um, just was really lucky and fortunate that they would have me.
0: Mm. So what was it like going into that championship culture as a freshman? I mean, I, th- I'm sure there had to be some nerves.
1: There was, I mean, we also, like you had mentioned, the, we'd won back to back national championships for, um, ASA at the mo- at, at the time right. and played under Gary Henning. And a lot of the players, you know, were actually from the Batbusters. So that part. Um, you know, Lisa Dodd and I played together and Jason Krebs was on the Batbusters as well. And then Kira Garrell, she had she was on the Batbusters. So going in and I knew and Andrea Duran, oh my gosh, I can't even believe Sidre, she was our third baseman. So I knew a ton of players, but still it's a huge jump from um, it was a huge jump from travel ball into to college and just they're bigger, stronger, faster. And um was able to play a little bit my freshman year. And then I got hurt. I um, actually got beat out by a senior who was there. She was an incredible hard worker, mm-hmm. Julie Hoshizaki, um, in left field. But I then became the pinch runner um, in the World Series. So I was able to score one of the runs in the championship game. And I'll never forget that. It was just um, just to be a part of that team. And and we had such an incredible senior class with great leadership and Kira Garrell and uh, Claire Sua. And just, it was just an incredible experience that I'll never forget stepping on that field and looking around and, and being in Oklahoma city and playing at the highest level of our sport at the time. It was just a dream come true.
0: No doubt. Uh, I, I'm going to, before, before that women's college were serious, I had to ask, I was going to ask about the, uh, the first 25 games of the season you guys won <laughs> that your freshman uh, yeah. season <laughs> was there, a, was there a point you were like, are we ever going to lose?
1: <laughs> yeah, actually. Yes. And <laughs> um, that year it's so funny. I don't know if anyone's ever told this story, but, um, we were all in one of the mess halls or one of the, uh, I can't remember what the, which one we were in, but we were all having breakfast and there were probably a handful of us and, sitting in there and there was this lucky charms bowl of of lucky charms it was like a bin you know so everybody went in to get their cereal out of this lucky charms bin and it was massive and I think there were maybe eight or nine of us and we always used to play this game where someone would say something saying okay if we do this we're winning the College World Series <laughs> and it and it's something at UCLA that you it it was a tradition and it was always some like outrageous but attainable right so he had this massive bin of lucky charms and somebody says hey if we eat this whole bin of lucky charms we're gonna win the world series and so sure enough there we go (laughs) all eight of us are just trying to just devour this whole bin of lucky charms and i'm telling like pounds and pounds of it wow I mean one of one of my teammates Ashley Herrera had to walk outside she threw up came back in <laughs> like it was to the point where it was insane but that was the mentality it was it, everybody worked as a team we it was very uh, uncommon that we would lose and mm-hmm. we yeah I mean I remember the games in Fresno State we played Jimmy Southern and big matchups against Margie, Margie, right. And I'm, I just think it was a winning culture. It was a winning team and, and losing was just never the, an option. And I remember those first 25 games. Yeah. I, 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 it was like, are we ever going to lose? And I'm, thank God, we did because it was one of those things where I'm like, oh my gosh, we're are we going to go undefeated this yeah. whole season?
0: Um, but yeah, no, it was a it was a great experience. No doubt, um, my six year old daughter loves Lucky Charms, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't really have them anymore after that but well, i imagine um, you're sick of them <laughs> <laughs> it obviously worked yeah so i was like oh. i obviously worked i mean Andrew duran was there and yeah. uh, caitlin bainey uh, kristen deadman ashley herrera i think shana stewart it was, uh, it was lisa dodd as well i think wow. it was more the younger classmen but um
0: yeah.
1: gosh it was such a it's such a funny story and we always we always talk about it it was yeah. the lucky charms Nothing uh, to do with the play. No, it was the nothing. Terms.
0: It was all the lucky parents. Yeah. So, I mean, like, <laughs> like you said, you go on eleventh national championship, of course, back to back titles. How amazing yeah. was that feeling?
1: You know, they'd won the year before, so coming in, we had a pretty big freshman class,
0: and I think there was eight of these. So,
1: you. yeah, it was. You know, we had a good mix of of veterans and youth on the team at that time, and I think Kira. Carried us in the circle, but the freshman class kind of picked up the pieces. Jody Legaspi was at short. Lisa Dodd was at first. And just Abel, Kristen Deadman with a big clutch hit um, as a pinch hitter. She just had ice in her veins. And it was just, it was the right mix. And obviously Sue Inquest is just always got mm-hmm. us ready. You know, she put us in pressure situations at practice. So it, it made the game feel you know, game day feel pretty, pretty normal for us. Yeah. And, you know, she's an incredible coach and still a good friend to this day and talked to her every once in a while. And she just, she she's simply one of the best to ever coach the game.
0: Absolutely. So what was the biggest thing you, that you think you took away from your freshman season?
1: Oh, I think just... Being a part of a team and, and being a role player and, you know, I'd probably, I'd started everywhere it went. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it made me appreciate every aspect of a team because my name wasn't being called in the lineup. Uh, and that was probably a really big sting at first, but then I really think at the end of the day, it really helped shape, um my views on team and and how important it is for everybody to buy in and be a part of the same goal whether they're starting or not right. and that was a huge adjustment and and learning from the seniors and upper class and and just how to how to be and and how to win and and how to how to work hard but also have some balance too so you know that freshman season was really eye opening and just being able to be a part of of that team was um, really special.
0: No doubt. Now, I got to touch on your sophomore season. You guys make it back to the Women's College World Series. Oh, God. Just yeah. come up short of the 3 p mm-hmm. But w- mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to touch on, though, was the fact that you guys had to go through Kat and Monica just to make the finals. Like That's pretty crazy and a victory in itself, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. We had both their numbers every time. I, I don't know what it was, but, um, you know, Andrea Duran, I think she had a, was it inside the park home run or a triple? I think it's inside the park home run down the right field line against Kat. And she was incredible. And, you know, we played Monica. She just threw so hard. Mm. You know, she threw so hard. She didn't really have her change back then. Um, and, you know, we were really good at having a plan and sticking to it. And the only way I remember our game plan against her is just, number one, to kind of keep her off balance timing-wise because she does like to work in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. So keep her off balance and then, you know, just swinging at strikes, which was really difficult to do because she just was incredible and her her rise was really difficult to pick up. But my goal simply as a slapper was just try to touch it. Yeah. And uh, I just seemed to be successful in letting her supply it and uh just back control and um yeah we did we had to go through Cat and monica which it are you know obviously the two pitchers that are <laughs> in, the, in the olympics at the moment yep, exactly and uh, i could not hit off a cat i had a heck of a time she's so tough on lefty lefty matchups on on slappers right it was just impossible and then megan willis behind the dish just chatting it up yeah and um but the, yeah, that, that sophomore season against Michigan, that was, we talked about it popped up two bunts in championship game. Um, and yeah, it was so close cause we'd won game one and that was the first time they went to a three game series and okay. we'd beat them game one and then we dropped games two and three. And so that was tough. And, you know, it's just so little between winning and losing. Yeah. And you realize that once you've done both, it, it, it it's like a minute, uh, uh, difference sometimes. And, um, but no, I think, like I said, I think it was a good learning experience for me. And I would say my junior and Caesar senior season, um, I really reflected back on that and, and how to be better.
0: Right. Now, now you said, you know, you're known as a lefty slapper. Um, mm-hmm. how pumped were you to hit a home run your senior season?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, the great part about that is, uh, My senior season, I was really lucky in that Natasha Watley came back from Japan. And so I was able to actually hit in the cage with Tosh every day. Oh wow. So just talking about the game with her, you know, working on slaps, bunts, soft slaps, hard slap, hitting away, shuffle step. I I implemented a shuffle step my junior and senior year and just expanded the game. And I was really lucky to work with her. And I believe a lot of the success I was able to uh, have my senior season is due to Tosh. And, you know, I hit that home run in Long Beach and the, it actually didn't go over the fence because Long Beach fences are massive. So they, it's actually, I think, on a slow pitch field. And I just hit a shot to right center And it was an inside-the-park home run. I mean, they weren't close to even getting me at home. but Still uh, a
0: home run. (laughs) It was a home run, but it
1: wasn't over the fence. I mean, I think these days with these bats, maybe I could have have hit one. But um, back in the day, those were the synergies. They weren't bad. Uh, They weren't bad. But it was pretty fun, and my family was there. I remember Coach Inquist, she had retired, but she was in the stands. Oh, nice. And it was – and Kristen Dedman, she was the first one at home plate. Uh, one of the one of my good friends on the team, and um, just yeah, it was pretty special. And everybody was there, and it was the first one uh, and only one in my career. That's
0: awesome. Uh, you go on to have fantastic four years at UCLA, hitting above three hundred your final two seasons. What's mm-hmm. your biggest takeaway? Do you feel from your time there?
1: You know, I think we always talk about the game and softball and and you know, the the national championships and the batting averages and and, and whatnot. But some of my best friends I met at UCLA, one of them being Jen Schroeder. And it's about the people at the end of the day. And I think what makes UCLA so special, and I think there's a hint of jealousy when you're not in the broom bubble, Mm -hmm. is that we are super close. And... I can call anybody in terms of alumni or coaches or anybody that's involved with the program and they would drop everything for you. And I think that's really why it's so special because it is a family. It is a Bruin family and everybody just still hangs out and we'll have, you know, Bruin barbecues and we'll have, we see one another. And I think that's really special And the alumni is super important uh, at at UCLA. And I think that helps the current players. They Mm -hmm. see the support and they can look up and know that we've been in their shoes at one point. We might be a lot older now, but um, we've been in their shoes. So that's really special. I think that's a really special thing about UCLA and it's really unique. I think other programs are beginning to build that, but the tradition of excellence, but then the tradition of family, is something that I don't think can be matched anywhere other anywhere else in the country
0: yeah it's hard to it's hard to beat uh you know the tradition of a, of a, of a sports team, you know what I mean, like being yeah. in that culture, I mean it's huge
1: absolutely. I think it's you know, it started with Sharon Backus and then Sue Inquist and now Kelly I. And so you've got three people that have have been holding that torch and carrying it along and it's very special and it's just you know, it's an honor to be a part of.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I have to ask you about Run the Basis. <laughs> okay. Tell us how that was formed and, you know, what, what all that entails. So, Run the
1: bases is just, oh, it's something that myself and the other co-founders, Kelly and Sebastian, who I met in England, have been working on since 2017, and I'd gone back to school and got my degree in sport or my master's degree in sport and international development, basically how you can use sport as a tool to bring communities, people, nations together
0: right.
1: and did some uh, volunteer work with another organization called Football for Peace. My good friend was running it and they use soccer in um, using values based coaching. And we had gone out with them in Northern Ireland And in the Gambia and they were using soccer and just I just noticed that the girls were still a little bit timid. And I said, hey, do you mind if we maybe try a different sport that gives the girls a level playing field? And I was just lucky enough that they allowed us to do it. And so we started using softball as a way to get more girls playing soft or playing sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we founded Run the Bases and did a pilot project in Malta which is a tiny little island between, uh, Italy and Africa and did some work in, in the UK and then eventually landed in the Gambia and the Gambia is on the Western coast of Africa. And we're in five rural communities there and about a hundred kids and 10 coaches, um, in the Gambia in the South combo region. So our main goal is to just try and get as many kids to number one, play sports, our focus is girls, but we have boys and girls playing in the program. And we also are really focused on education. So before practice, they now have tutoring sessions because, well, number one, because of COVID, mm-hmm. they didn't have schooling for eight months. And number two, we think that that is one of the biggest issues um, currently there is um, women and girls are not staying in school uh, as long. And so we just started using baseball and softball and we, you know, it's been, gosh, we're going on our fourth year here and we hopefully will get them to play in a tournament in either Europe or in Africa in under 13s. And just our goal is to make sure that we can support them in the best way possible. And our coaches are still, you know, administering sessions and, um, it's just been, it's been my passion project and together with Kelly and Sebastian, and we've got a, an intern, Rose. We just have seen this thing grow um, over the years and hopefully I'll make it back there in December. Mm-hmm. I haven't been out there in a year. I normally go every year, but because of COVID, we've been a little bit restricted and right. hopefully we'll be able to go back and, and meet with our team and, and get them going on some some more coaching drills and some more values-based coaching as well.
0: Yeah. I saw some of the pictures and and videos that you posted online of it and they seem to really enjoy it.
1: Well, they're incredibly athletic, number one. Yes. (laughs) And it's a new game. Who doesn't love learning a new game? I mean, I remember the first time I brought out my glove my leather glove and you don't even think about these things because you know, baseball and softball is so ingrained in our society here, we just automatically pretty much know what a glove is. And the day I brought my leather glove out and started playing catch, it and the pop of the glove and the ball hitting the glove and just the look of the leather, their faces, they couldn't they never see anything like it before. That's awesome. And you know, just simply playing catch. And uh, we had a, uh, we had a couple of um, actually coach mentors from the Natasha Watley Foundation join us over there. So we've done a nice little partnership and have brought some young players out there and have them experience coaching and, and being, you know, in the Gambia. And that has been really special as well. It's just, you know, expanding horizons and, and bringing cultures together and doing a bit of a cultural exchange and, and making sure that um, you know everybody is able to see how other people live around the world, and I think that gives you much more understanding and appreciation um, for human beings and one another.
0: absolutely. absolutely. so if if anybody wants to check it out, I th- it's is it run
1: yeah, run dot org and we're on Instagram, run the basis underscore. But all the information's on our website. We're having a big golf tournament here in California soon for a bit of a fundraiser. We had a fun wine night, a uh, virtual wine night. Should have invited you. I don't know what's
0: wrong with me. Can't go wrong uh, with a virtual wine night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. Folktale wine supplied all the wine. We, I mean, nice. we had a blast. Yes. Um, so that's been, you know, that's been really fun, but yet yeah, run the bases.org if anybody, or they can email me at Tara at run the and any questions, um, we'd love
0: to answer them. Awesome. Now, Before we get on to the final segment of the podcast, I got to ask about D1softball.com. Yes. Who came up with this and how did it form?
1: You know, D1, uh, actually, we've got a brother site in D1 Baseball. I don't know if you're familiar with it.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: uh, Kyle Peterson, who um, is on the baseball side, a commentator for ESPN and, and does some stuff for MLB was speaking to a few softball, softballers, Jess Mendoza, Michelle Smith was like, Hey, is there a space for softball? And just so happened that I would, I was moving back from Europe and just was in the right place in the right time. They said, Hey Tara, would you want to, you want to start help us run this thing? And I said, absolutely. Uh, And you know, it was rough because of COVID that first season, we had what, a a third of a season that was our first season, but I also think it was a blessing because we learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And now we're able to just um, cover the sport in a way that I don't think has been done before in, in, in as much depth in Division One. You know, you've got other outlets that have been around, but just really lucky to have Rhiannon Potke and Graham Hayes as our, our senior writers. And they've done a tremendous job in telling stories and making sure that we can provide the best coverage possible and broad based coverage. You know, we, We've got the Power Fives, but then you've got these mid majors, i.e., JMU. Yeah, exactly. And it's been it's been a pleasure to be a part of it. And we've got you know we've got a little bit of a lull, but that lull has been filled by the Olympics, so that's been really fun. And the Florida Gulf Coast League has been a part of it. And you've got SA playing, and then Athletes Unlimited in August. So that's right. A full slate all summer, and then we'll get straight into fall reports, which is really fun for us because we get to speak to the coaches, we get to talk about the incoming freshmen, we get to talk about what they're seeing on the field in the fall and then give that to the people because, you know, our sport is growing exponentially. And I think there's a space and place for it. And we just have been really lucky that we've got, you know, this the scoreboard. You've got you can look at any any score around the entire country at any time. We've got the scoreboard. We've got stats and You know, we've got interviews, video interviews. So it's just been, it's been really fun to be a part of and just really lucky that, you know, Kyle Peterson, Kendall Rogers, um, they've been really supportive. And uh, we've got, you know, Jen Schroeder and Amanda Scarborough that we'll chat with every once in a while. And, you know, our sport is just, it it needs the coverage and and the girls and women deserve it. And these women on the field should be, being covered just as, as much as uh, the male counterparts. And I think that's what we're just trying to, to do at our best as possible.
0: Absolutely. I, I got to pump the tires on the, on the live scoreboard because yeah, you know, up here in Canada, we don't have the luxury of, of ESPN, which is mm-hmm. terrible. I hate it, but the, the live scoreboard is so real time and up to date that I could not get over it. And it's <laughs> unbelievable.
1: it is you can look at any game going on at any time yes and then if you needed to click on it it'll take you to the stat
0: tracker i mean everything
1: it's it's got everything you could need i don't know where else you would go to get i don't think you can go anywhere else to get that so the scoreboard it just blows my mind every time and i use it and then I've got the app on my phone as well. Yes. I don't know if you have the app, but the app has been so good, especially if I'm at a game or traveling or whatever. The it app just is fantastic. Allows, yeah. And it's, you know, it's reasonable. And, you, and you've got everything at your fingertips. You can even, you know, you can read articles. Yep. it's It's been, we know we're going into our second year and I think we're only going to just keep growing and growing. And I, I can't wait to see what, is in store for fall we've got a few things that were uh, that are in the works that hopefully um will come to fruition here i just can't quite see them yet
0: yeah so so to all those listening that you know aren't subscribed what does subscribing get you
1: so go to d1softball.com hit subscribe you get access to the transfer portal transfer tracker and all of our um interviews and and um, access behind the paywall. Once our fall reports start, we'll have access to every single team that we will be doing interviews with. And right now we've got, you know, USA coverage. We'll have the Athletes Unlimited coverage and anything and everything, division one. So coaching updates, all that. So subscribe, like, let us know what you think. Always open to hear what our subscribers want and and what they want more of. So you can email us at info at D one softball.com and, and let us know what you think.
0: Awesome. Actually, I want to ask you about the, uh, I totally just thought of this, the, uh, your take on the rumored Oklahoma, Texas move to the sec.
1: I mean, that is going to be a
0: super conference.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You think are you in (laughs) turn, in terms of softball, if that happens, I just, it, it bye bye Big Twelve. I yeah. mean, I, I it makes me really sad in that aspect. There goes the Big Twelve. But you know, if you add Oklahoma and Texas, you got Patty and Mike White now in the yep. SEC with Florida, Bama. I mean, it's uh, it. I can't even wrap my head around it
0: at the moment. <laughs> I can tell. I
1: can't even speak about it because <laughs> the potential for that to actually be uh, real deal yeah is super exciting and also super scary i mean that's gonna be a slug. it's just gonna be a slugfest mm-hmm. sec is already tough enough and you add ou in texas i mean gosh that's uh, the pack better figure it out because uh that's gonna be it's gonna be a tough conference to go to you know go after but absolutely. um yeah the potential for that to happen is and from what i hear it sounds like it is gonna happen yeah i know uh and then you're hearing reports that what is it ohio state michigan clemson yes. florida state uh, potentially a 20
0: team conference like a super conference that would, that would be insane
1: especially in terms of softball i mean no, yes. i know football but yeah same, side, same thing with softball that is that would be I mean, it that's its own moneymaker in itself,
0: which is yeah.
1: probably why it's happening. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think Selection Sunday was uh, tough this past season.
1: <laughs> I know. Oh, I can't even think about oh, that. Oh, well. So,
0: all right, Tara, we got a little thing to end the podcast with. Uh, I call it Player Association. I'm mm-hmm. going to throw it a name to you and, and yeah. you can chat about them. Okay. All right. First one we're going with is uh, Coach Sue Enquist. Oh my goodness, player, she's coach.
1: Uh, you know, gosh, I have so many stories uh, of coach and I think we all use this just because it it's something that was instilled in us. But the biggest thing was always there's two things you can control. It's your effort and your attitude. And that's not only in softball, it's in life. And yeah. I think I've carried that through in... Tried my best in most aspects of life, and and it's been something that has never left me. And she taught us accountability. She taught us hard work. She taught us how to play as a team and be selfless and and play for one another. And just really indebted to her and and all the life lessons that I learned throughout my four years there. And she now helps with our charity run the bases, and she's my biggest cheerleader. And it's fun to know coach outside of softball and have her be an incredible mentor and somebody that is always, you know, in your corner and she will forever be that. And she's that for everybody. And she's an incredibly special human being and just, gosh, I'm so happy. And so, um, just in awe of her because, she gave me an opportunity to play at UCLA. And and still to this day, she gives me an opportunity to be better every single day and just will always love her for that.
0: Fantastic. Uh, next, we have Lisa Dodd.
1: Oh my gosh, Dottie. It's So funny. Dodd actually pretty much at one point during club ball lived at my house just because it was easier. So she'd have to drive up from San Diego. So Dodd and I have had a ton of fun times together and she was probably one of the most fierce competitors i've ever played with she was the hardest worker she was the one that we would have weights practice and t- training table and then you'd see dot out running 6 7 miles wow. and <laughs> her yeah her ability to compete her mental toughness uh, the way she played the game was Something like I've never seen. and um being on a team with her for that many years for four or five six I mean seven years, I was just I got to know her really well and and she was so clutch and you knew when Dodd was up that we always had a shot and just had the best time, good times and bad times. I mean we play, we spent seven years together, so there's plenty of those, but oh yeah, she was honestly, one of the fiercest competitors uh, to be on the field with and just was always, was always clutch when you needed her.
0: Awesome. Uh, next is Andrea Duran.
1: Dre. Uh, I actually lived with Dre at UCLA oh, wow. and she played on the Batbusters, another Batbuster, And so with Dodd and uh, again, her work ethic, same as Dodd, but to almost another level in that she would come early, stay late. And then she had a way of bringing you along with her. So she was T, you want to hit, you know, balls after practice with me. And she was really good with that. She was an incredible leader. She got the team to work hard and, and be accountable. And one of the best gloves, if not the best glove I've ever seen at third. Right. And so quick just so quick to the ball great reaction and yeah I would say the best third baseman I've ever played with
0: wicked last one Jen Schroeder (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh man that's another whole podcast in itself (laughs) (laughs) it's funny I I thought I I had Morgan Stewart on here and I Uh I left Jen to the end for her too and same thing Uh
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've known obviously Jen since UCLA. So we've been, um, you know, we've been friends for a long time. I played against her in high school and I, she was so annoying. I remember at third, <laughs> she was just yelling and talking the whole time or she was catching. And I'm like, Ugh. I remember I bunted off of her and was safe. And I was like, Oh gosh, maybe she'll just shut up. Um, <laughs> and then got to, to meet her at UCLA and we became best friends. And still to this day, she's probably the, one person I talked to all day long. And um gosh, she's incredible. And her story is incredible. And she went through a lot of ups and downs at UCLA as a player. But what she's done for our sport, the mm. sport of softball, is pretty much unparalleled. And she has been able to harness her expertise as a as a catching coach, but more mostly as a motivator and somebody who just is there for, you know, young athletes and, and young coaches in her ability to stand up in front of a crowd and get everybody going. And Mm -hmm. she is, oh, she's always been there for me. She is probably, uh, out of anybody in the world, uh, I would always just want her, her, by my side because she will she will go to the ends of the earth for her people and therefore very few many people no matter how busy she is uh she'll always pick up the phone and she's just um, like i said done great stuff for the sport of softball and also just an incredible friend um just yeah she's i could talk about her forever but um and we've had some fun times especially at the world series we get in some trouble uh, <laughs> we do like to cheer and dance a bit i can't right. really do that anymore but we've we've had we have some good stories oh, uh awesome. with that so yeah that's i'll get that's my shortened version
0: <laughs> well I, i'd love to have jen come on here and, and and if anything just to talk about rudy
1: oh i know what a doll it's been oh. <laughs> Honestly, Rudy is just a shining bright light, and anybody that's around her, you just thinking, oh, my gosh, this kid, she is she's the best, and she's growing so <laughs> – yeah, and she's growing so fast. Yes. I mean, it's like she's a toddler. She's running around like crazy, yeah. so – yeah, bring her on. And talk about Rudy. I'm sure Rudy could talk by then. Actually. Oh yeah, she's already I,
0: talking. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure. Like if if Rudy had her own Instagram account, she would have a million followers. That's how. Oh, yeah. Adorable she is. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I second Tara, that. I agree. Tara, I gotta, I gotta thank you for coming on. This has been fantastic. You know, I've, I've been following you on social media for a while now. Been wanting to talk about your career and, and talk ball with you. You know, for a while now, but. uh I really want to thank you for coming on and, and I wish you nothing but success in everything you do going forward.
1: Alrighty, thank you so much for having me. It was always great to chat anytime, anything you need from us, um, anywhere. you want softball, run the bases. Yes. Maybe series and some sailing, motorcycles, whatever you need. <laughs> um, I'm around, but thank you so much for having me. Love chatting with you um, and let me know what, what, what you need from us because we'd love to help you out as well.
0: Awesome. Fantastic, Tara. Thank you. All right, thanks, Randy. Take care. So, oh, 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 yeah, I love you so. I, 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 I love you so. Never took it serious Then what we had got fucked up We grew apart but in my heart I still love ya Back at the start I thought it last so long Went by so fast now it feels like the passion is gone Everything I loved about you just got pissed away And it really gets to be because I miss some days You was modest, on it's pretty much a god It's the farthest thing, forget to your heartless And never saw less of this poor head Even though I couldn't get your cards and chocolates You put up with my nonsense day after day You were one of the types you don't let get away Shit we used to get and together I remember one time You were so sick We almost puked together Your mood was better then But who would've knew What we had We were too lose forever Damn, I still love Didn't you me. You were like my sunshine We were too young for love But I knew you'd be mine Had to let you go And get on with my life. Now I got you back And you're leaving this time And I know I can always rely When I know you'll be keeping me high but you go, not again Cause I know I'm my I not take to You gotta know what I'm feeling yeah. oh, stop and love ain't hard to find. But you know you on my I this find. One. Okay, yeah, I know I said I wouldn't do it, but I did it And now it got me wishing that my position was switching Never no hugs, no tongue, never kiss it. But keep fucking with it since the first day I hit it The minute that you talked, I would listen You made the way that I walk a little different I like your vibe, like the way that you feel Your head style from the start Now you're paying my bills, I gotta love it Yeah, I'm a little obsessed And I'll confess without you I feel a little depressed The wife's at it Sick of me giving you my attention Really, I see a point, but it was never my intention I'm always talking and bragging you up like yo check this is she amazing or what and the fatter that you get the better i can't complain the mistress in my life music before the fame i love like her. <laughs> are you downsizing maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner Strikes Again.